Paul Miller's Questex already runs some of the biggest events in the industry, including the International Hospitality Investment Forum that took place in Berlin this week. Starting next year, they're assuming management control of the NYU Hospitality Investment Conference. I've been attending this event for more than a decade and wanted you to hear the backstory on this directly from Paul. This is Hospitality Daily, the show that helps you stay informed and inspired each day by the most interesting people in hospitality. My name is Josiah McKenzie, and my goal is to help you reconnect with why you work in this industry and get fired up to go out there, delight others, and reach your goals. Let's get started. Paul Miller is the CEO of Questex, an information and event services company. In this episode, you're going to learn why events matter now, trends and opportunities for event organizers, and because the NYU event is investment-focused, his perspective on the case for investing in hospitality. But we'll start off with some context on the event. Here's Paul. So the the New York International Hospitality Industry Investment Conference, and I'll just refer to it, if you don't mind, as the NYU event from here on in, is actually in its 45th year. It's an event that has obviously been organized and produced by New York University in conjunction with, with some partners. And it has established itself as a really must-go-to event for the hotel investment community. So, so folks that are interested in investing in hotel real estate, buying assets, operating assets from all areas of the business. So the, the event is one we've been attending for a long time. We've been sponsoring the event, exhibiting at the event. So it was well known to us and the team. We also organized the International Hospitality Investment Forum in Berlin. It's actually going on right now. It's in its 25th year. That's the largest event for hotel investors in the world. So really what was missing for us was a U.S. presence. And this event was one that we knew. Frankly, our customers were asking us to expand our presence out of Europe. The university itself was also looking to focus on its core capabilities, which are obviously educating. So... The conversation started and one thing led to another and we we eventually got to an agreement and yesterday announced that. I'd love to hear from your perspective, why do events matter now? Yeah, it's a great question as to why do events matter because um, I think there are varying experiences that people like us had, event organizers had through COVID. The worst experience was that you couldn't actually floor an event at all. It was impossible to do so. And versions of the better experience were bringing people together in a digital format. It could have been Zoom. It could have been a virtual event. It could have been a webinar. And we were a business and are a business, frankly, that achieves 40% of its revenues in the digital marketing services area. So we were able to, quote, pivot the word of the, of the year in 21 or whenever it was. We pivoted very quickly to digital events. What actually that did is it allowed us to keep our databases very current. So if folks were retiring, as a lot of people did in the COVID era, or closing down their business because they just couldn't keep it going, or indeed launching a business, we were able to capture that in our database. What then happened, which is really what has happened around the world, frankly, is, is that people just couldn't wait to get back out. And it's, it's back out in varying levels. And this is kind of a multifaceted kind of reason why this acquisition makes a lot of sense to us. Firstly, people just wanted to get out and experience life again. We were all fed up of being in our home office and looking at ourselves in square boxes. And uh, there is a human nature, I think, of wanting to make contact. 
Uh, I do think that value proposition is relatively flimsy in the long run in business, frankly, in, in that, yes, we want to make contact, but we're also very much sort of time sensitive. We want our time to be well used. If I'm going to spend three days at an event, I want to meet the right people. I want to learn the right things. I want to buy the right products. So I think people are, as as we get over this sort of COVID rush of getting back out to uh, meet people, it's eventually going to be back to where's the value. And that's really, again, why must go to events are actually valued very, very highly. And those events that were nice to have will probably have to do a lot more work to make themselves much more essential, if you will. Yeah. Well, and I think picking up on that thread of providing value and people being more time sensitive, I'm curious across the portfolio of events that you oversee, what trends or changes do you anticipate or are you excited about making to evolve events to become more value focused and get more for people for their time that, that they spend at your events? There's a lot of innovation and experimentation going on in this area right now, actually. We run events across a broad spectrum of, of vertical markets. It could be life sciences and healthcare, or it could be in the spa owner area. And they have some commonalities that we're finding in that the people that are attending, there's a few things they're looking for and things that we hope to bring to the NYU event as well. And number one, that they're looking for a more curated experience. They don't just want to turn up and figure out serendipitously where, where do I go and, and who do I see and what's in that room. Uh, and I'll walk up and down these aisles of booths at a big trade show. I think those days are starting to disappear, frankly. And, you know, one of the core trends is that Half of the people over the age of 65 retired during the pandemic. Hence, we've now got younger managers who are attending events and they're expecting a very different experience. They want things like, hey, before the event happens, who, who do you think I should be talking to based on my content consumption habits on your digital platform? That's fascinating. So you're looking at here's the topics, the themes, the things I'm interested in. Okay, and based on that, we're going to leverage those intent signals, if you will, into a real-life event. Absolutely. And I think there's – I don't think we have to go as far as actually putting you together. I mean, I think people still want to enjoy the networking and the ability to go to the bar and meet whoever they meet or see an old friend. But I think we can be suggestive that it looks as if you should meet based on how you're interacting with us offline. So that's number one. N number two, they want experiences. This is a cohort that, again, isn't happy with warm beer and cold sausages or the other way around, warm sausages and cold beer, depending on which part of the world you come from. So, you know, those experiences are more like activations. Let me experience what it could be like to walk through your hotel in the Caribbean. And I can put a headset on and do that. Or you can show me some great video. We've got all kinds of things happening at our events. Puppy parks where people can de-stress and, um, and adopt a puppy. Lots of things that make it more of that what I would call a Coachella experience, sort of a B2C experience and a little bit less B2B trade show experience. I mean, the, the two, you can't go one side into a Coachella experience because there's a business value there. 
but you can't just be boring business either. So we're seeing and we're experimenting with different pavilions, different activations, different experiences, curated meetings, helping people use their time better, I guess, is, is really what it all down to. And some of these will work and some of these will not work. But I would say that what you will see is, is introducing these ideas, figuring out, you know, which ones gain traction, which ones are not relevant for the audience. And they let you know pretty quickly. They're not shy. This is an audience, of course, at the NYU Investment Conference, which is, is in charge of a lot of capital. Uh, on the whole, they're running large businesses or they're in private equity or they're in property management. They are really strapped for time. They don't have hours and hours and hours just to figure out what to do. They want real value for money really quickly. You know, I spent the last couple of years working for a private equity real estate investment technology. And though I've spent most of my career in the hospitality industry, I got to see across asset classes. And interestingly, it was that experience working in real estate across asset classes that made me more excited about the future of hospitality uh, than ever before. I saw the complexity to it, the value that can be created. Um, of course, this is not investment advice, but I wonder if you could speak broadly to real estate as an asset class and what is, what's the case for it? Why is it interesting? Yeah, I think a couple of comments as well. We are also private equity held. Personally, I spent the majority of my career in Silicon Valley in the, in the tech industry, again, around media and events. And I, I was introduced to hospitality in hotels when I came to Questex just over four and a half years ago. So it's really my first true interaction with the hospitality industry in general. And, um, I guess coming in as an outsider, some of the really early learnings were that it, it is an industry that's very relevant for technology disruption. And it, it always shapes and forms. I think technology is going to be a really interesting entrant. It's already an entrant and an interesting growth path for um, a lot of companies. Hospitality in general, and in particular, so if I start with the hotel asset class, for reasons that I mentioned earlier, hotels have been around forever. People are are looking to experience life. I think we've all had a a kind of a revelation that hey, things can happen outside of our control, which can change your life overnight. They can have you stuck in your home. They can have you not meeting people. And I think people have realized they're not going to allow that to happen for the next sort. Of, decade or two or three or four until everybody forgets again. But um, I think people want to experience and therefore the hotel asset classes, I think here for the long run, this is not a flash in the pan rebound, if you will. It really is an asset class, which I think investors are starting to see as more and more solid, more important, more tangible long-term growth. And then I think there are what I would call adjacent spaces to the true hotel that could be work-live space. It could be turning part of the hotel into work-live space, student housing, senior living. Lots of these asset classes could be described as hotels, but where the rooms are booked up for a year or for decades in the case of senior living. So we do see that the entire real estate asset class from a hospitality perspective has gained more traction and interest from investors for all of the reasons that I mentioned. And it looks as if that's going to continue for the foreseeable future. I mean, we're seeing, despite sort of recessionary clouds and despite the cost of capital increasing and all of these things that we're reading about in the general press, I think the fact that the investors have realized that actually this is not a, a kind of an exotic 
real estate investment. It's actually, it's central to most economies, most cities, most consumer behavior. And I think increasingly business behavior again. I mean, business travel is still trying to catch up. It's really the leisure travel that's driving people off, off into really great growth paths, but business will come back. So put all of that together and the asset class becomes a solid growth investment thesis. And I don't, and we can't see it stopping given, as I say, those adjacencies as well. I think the last thing I'd say is that. I'm no soothsayer on commercial real estate, but we're seeing a a sea change in places like New York City where I work. And I think we're going to see real estate in general take on a very different kind of flavor, meaning that the hotel and the hospitality part becomes increasingly central as risks start to appear around other areas of, of real estate. So yeah, it feels like a really good place to be, I'd say, and and frankly has done for the past couple of decades for our company. Yeah, it's a, I, I feel like it's such an exciting time to be in the space. As you pointed out, there's secular tailwinds behind hospitality. There's supply constraints. I was talking to Richard Walter a few weeks ago, and he was talking about this notion of hospitality, uh, eating real estate or eating the world. We've talked about that in a software concept, but now you see hospitality practices infiltrating all asset classes, actually, of, of real estate. And um, so fascinating time to be in and around this space. Great hospitality providers know that every touchpoint matters a lot, so they spend a lot of time making sure that each interaction better serves their guests and makes life easier for their teams. If you'd like to operate this way, I suggest you check out Sojourn. They've built a reputation as the market leader in helping hotels and resorts earn direct bookings through digital advertising over the years. And more recently, they've expanded into offering a complete suite of guest experience solutions, including an AI smart concierge, reputation manager, and guest marketing suite. I've been working with Sojourn for years now, and everything from the way their technology is built to the talented experts they have on staff makes it no surprise that when I talk with people about technology, Sojourn comes up again and again. Hospitality providers love them. If you'd like to learn more about how Sojourn can help you better engage your guests and drive more profitable direct bookings, visit Sojourn.com. That's S-O-J-E-R-N.com. Before we go, I want to let you know about a few more things. First, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite app to stay inspired each day by actionable insights from the most interesting people in hospitality. Second, I've started sharing videos and photos from the stories on this show on Instagram and YouTube, so if you'd like to see those or watch along, I encourage you to follow Hospitality Daily there so we can stay in touch. Third, if you'd like to listen to more conversations like the one you just heard, visit this podcast website at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com. I've spent a lot of time building out this website because I want to make it really easy for you to listen to the topics and guests that you are interested in, whether that's culture and leadership or operations or technology or something else. Browse and search the entire library of more than 400 episodes for some of the top leaders and innovators in hospitality at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com. Dot com to get ideas for delighting the people around you and reaching your business and career goals. I produce this podcast each day and give it away for free because I want us all to learn and grow together. If you enjoyed today's episode, I just have one favor to ask. Please take a moment to text or email this episode to a friend or colleague who might appreciate it as well. They'll be grateful to hear from you and what we covered in the show can help them as I hope it helped you today. Thanks for listening and I'll see you here tomorrow. 